Welcome, everyone, to Don't Be an Idiom. Whoa. Now we're there. <laughs> Dynamic voice. Sorry, did that get too loud? No, it's good. Ryan was mentioning with the dials before it came in, and I was hearing it in the left, and I was hearing it in the right. It's Albert and Ryan, the boys who mess with the dials. And I hope you're dialed in today to hear some fascinating histories of idiom origins. What's an idiom, you ask? It's, oh, God. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> so it's a, it's a phrase. It's a common phrase that, you know. Frozen in time, some would say. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And if you translate it into another language, it might not make any sense at all. None. But, I, you know, wait, real quick. Yeah. Do you, do you get the sense that most of the idioms are like, at one time they were literal and then become... I thought that uh, was, of isn't that the whole point of the show? No, no, but is that, like a, that? is that a nice blanket? I mean, more or less. Like, they're, people are... You're right. No, I shouldn't I go. That's so. not. They're not all like that. No. <laughs> Some. I think maybe that's the point. Is that they're not Some. all literal. Uh, I hope. Can you hear the the birds chirping in the background? Spring has sprung. Spring people. has sprung, and and we're here to bask in it. And the glowing beams of the sun. Yeah, actually, it was very it was nice. Pretty hot nice today. out today. <laughs> um. All right. So yeah, my name is Ryan. This is Albert. I'm Albert. We're gonna we're gonna have a short little top of the show, and then we're gonna we're gonna jump into some idiom origins. So we're, just, we're gonna riff. We're gonna talk about our lives a little bit. I mean, I don't want to talk about my life, but what you said you had something you wanted to say. So Ryan got me this mug. Uh huh. Oh, I got him because you know yeah. last time you listened, it was my birthday, and now it's well, it's, it's past still, your it birthday. Feels like it's still my birthday. I keep getting presents for weeks. It's great. I love it. That's only because I didn't bring any presents to your actual birthday party. <clears throat> yeah, but you could have got away with it. Yeah, maybe. Oh, you know what? Not that anybody's going to really care about this, but they threw me a surprise party and it was really People exciting. Care. It was really exciting. And they got me. You you were they gotten. They got me good. That was all, that was all Mario. That was all yeah. Albert's brother. Yeah, I would say, hey, Mario, thanks, but I know he, he doesn't, doesn't listen. listen no. um, <laughs> but one of the funner things about the party is that uh, I still have a giant cardboard cutout of myself, which is in my house all the time. Yeah. Well, and, I have a little sign of your he- of your yeah, face too. Yeah, I like that. I like how those kind of became like the party favors mm-hmm. like to take home. Yeah, um, it's great because uh, my roommates haven't really been around so much, so it feels like I'm not alone. Oh, you can just hang out with yourself. Yeah, that's what you do anyway, really. Yeah, we just wrestle, <laughs> wrestle with a cardboard cut out of myself. <laughs> um, yeah. So what else is going on? Not much. Um, so I don't have a lot of top of the show stuff, but me and my brother went camping this weekend, uh, actually in in the Pine Barrens because there is this place called the Sweetwater Marina out there on the Mullica River. Yeah, it's, it's right across from Batstow Village, and their whole thing is the Jersey Devil. Like their their logo is the Jersey Devil. That's so cool. They had a Jersey Devil statue. I'm saying had. I was so excited to go to this because I was like, this is going to be a great uh, Doobie Monster photo op. So we get there and I'm seeing lots of Jersey Devil stuff and they got all the shirts. Uh, it's great. But I kept looking around and I'm like, where is the statue? And my brother and Kev kept saying like, it's in the parking lot, idiot. And then so I would go and I would look and I couldn't <laughs> find it. And finally, I just asked a guy and I said, well, where's that statue? And he's like, well, you remember that storm a couple weeks ago? And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. And uh, he's like, well, we came in the next morning and the statue was like broken in pieces. Weird. So he said, he th- we think that it was um, struck by lightning. 
Weird. Yeah, but they, they said they ordered a new one from the same artist. How ominous. That must suck for the artist. He probably put a lot of time into that. What? But yeah, but he's going to get paid twice now. Yeah, I guess He's so. loving it. Or she. I don't know. Could be anybody. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he did quickly say, I was like, oh, man, this is so cool. I love the Jersey Devil. And mm-hmm. he's like, you know, you wouldn't believe how many people contact us and say that it's like, they don't think that it's right that a devil is like, like, this is like, Bible thumpers, I guess, like are, 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 are upset because I was like, it's not actual Satan. devil. It's not Satan. <laughs> it's a creature. But it's just so funny how people would. People are crazy. Like they're like, that's Satan. <laughs> I mean, he kind of looks a little bit like I mean, Satan. The hockey team is named the Jersey Devils. Yeah. Are they getting flack from yeah. their Christian hockey fans? And what about Devil Dogs? Love deviled dogs. Me too. In the freezer. Mm. Uh, how about wow. deviled eggs? Deviled eggs. You don't need a deviled egg just because the word devil's in it? Devil wears God, Prada. Dude, everyone's got to calm down. I think, calm we, need, down. I think they need to ratchet up until they pop. Ugh. That's what we need. <laughs> anyway, that was not exactly what I wanted to tell you. There was on the way there, on the pike, right? They have a Tim Hortons. Really? Canada's it's coming down Tim south. Hortons, yeah. Cool. Um, you know, I've like, never seen a Tim Hortons. Maybe up in upstate New York. That's what or I'm something. saying. This is the lowest I've seen a right. Tim Hortons. Wow, okay, good. And we were gonna stop. I mean, do you think they have poutine there? Wait. Tim well, Hortons doesn't sell poutine does I don't it? know. <laughs> if they have a poutine donut, maybe that would be that would be good. But no, but we you know, Ryan and I, we we were up with Chris on um, on our road trip through Canada and we stopped at my first Tim Hortons experience was in Canada, the way yeah. it should be. Right. Yeah. So only go to this one on the on Black Horse Pike in New Jersey if you if have you've already, already been to the one yeah. a one in Canada. Yeah, so that's it. I just thought you'd be excited to know that everybody. Very exciting. Yeah. Thanks for letting me know. You're welcome. Um, I do also want to mention that so uh yeah, for the past couple episodes, Albert and I have been saying that uh our old band is getting back together for a reunion yes. show. Our good friend Chris, his band, will be there too. Anyway, it's it's like halfway sold out. Yeah. So if you're a listener and you want to come by, um, it's going to be a really fun night. June 23rd at Silk, Silk City. City. It's uh, You can buy tickets on eTix. And um, if you Google the Fall Fadeaway and Silk City, it should come up. Right. And uh, it's it starts at 7.30. You know, we'll have you out of there before before ten forty five. Before the cows come before home. Before the cows come home. And you know what else too? Uh, you're already a fan of our band because we every the the opening of every show we play. That's actually something from our last uh, record that we put out. That's so. right. So the first song, you'll at least know that because we're playing yeah. it. And uh, you know, it might not. It might sound terrible. Get on <laughs> out there. It's gonna be. It's gonna be sound good if you're drunk. <laughs> Yeah, you should definitely drink a lot if, before you listen to anything. Ryan already told me how much I'm allowed to drink before the show. Yeah, and I mean it. <laughs> and he does mean it. And you know what? I'm going to try my best. Oh, man. The writing's on the wall. The front man needs to be a loose cannon. Loose cannon when you're, you know, when hey, we've been man, playing on tour. I didn't for, ruin any shows, did I? I Almost. I can see... I can see what could happen very I clearly. I, I, just, I can envision the whole yeah, thing. What need? I need to just not get emotional. No vodka. 
No, I can't not be crying any, on stage. No, I do not want any crying. It's supposed to be fun. So no one give me that. <laughs> I don't know. It's an emo show. Who knows? It's not an emo show, is it? Fall mm, fade away. No, we are a hardcore punk band. We are. Oh, okay. We <laughs> are. We are. No, actually, it's gonna be awesome. Fall fade away is amazing, and. Uh, Fate's End, which is so cool. Like we're getting all these our high school, these are high school bands. Like this, this is, is what we used to do twenty years this is ago. Twenty year reunion, guys. It's gonna be good. But uh, the the thing is, we're gonna have uh, Don't Be an Idiom t shirts there, and and the, and do be a monster, monster koozies. Goddamn right. So this could be a great spot if you feel like buying it in person. This is kind of like the only time I think you'll be able to buy it in person if yeah. you're not ordering. So come to that, guys. Definitely. It'll be fun. And our band is Lucky Star. That's right. It was, it was named for Chinese buffet, and it was we very, were sixteen. It was very important to us as children. What were we? Fifteen, sixteen, sixteen. It was, it was a coming of age story. It was a coming of age story, like all the best stories. Yep, whatever so, that means. So uh, we got a game. We're gonna play a game to see who goes first. Albert and I each have an idiom that we have researched, and we're gonna. So what happens? What is we're this? We're gonna play basket case. Raj got me this for my birth, another birthday present. Uh, it's a. You wear a basketball net on the head, and you have to try to throw ping pong balls into it. So, what we decided is we're gonna each get five attempts, and uh, there's four white balls and a red ball. The red ball is gonna be worth double points. So that I could, you said three points for three points, triple points. So the whites are worth one, and the reds are worth three. So okay. it can it could be a big game changer. Is what I'm saying. All right, and the winner goes first. All right, let's let's do it. Also, basket case. Great great eighties horror movie. Oh, and a Green Day song. That song is yeah. That both everything's good with Basket Case. I guess so. It's also an idiom. It's also an idiom, which we haven't done yet. Oops, because we both know what it is. Oops. And that's what they call a massacre, baby. The Boston Massacre. And Ryan was just in Boston. Oh, shit. Maybe that's why I did so well. Yeah, dude. You brought some of that massacre back home. Man, shit. I just destroyed Albert. I got zero. And I got, what, three white ones and a red one. So I got six points. The sweet six. I will say that was a piece of shit, though. That was, that was yeah, really it's flimsy. Really, it's a really very, flimsy game. The, the, the headband is the worst part. If any of you ever see a basket case head game out there uh just leave it you don't maybe, need it maybe don't get it yes yeah. um but that's a really nice present roger thank you um you know i i hate to say it but you really screwed the pooch right there no way yeah dude i'm interested where this is gonna go i think you'll be pleasantly surprised that's crazy yeah um, I, I, I I hear this a lot. Obvious. I have an obvious guess. Well, sure. <laughs> but this is a PG it show. Is, I, I will say that it's a, a, a bit um, coarse, you know. Crass, even. Crass, I guess is what I really want to say. <laughs> well, you're a rude, crude dude is what I think. I know. And I really wanted to come into this episode with no cursing. Right. Uh, but I will have to. Screwed, I will have to. Screwed is okay. Yeah, screw. I mean, I guess it's the image of screwing the pooch that's a little funky. Um, but screwed this, the pooch. Yeah, and there's a there's a pretty specific place that this came from. Okay, I, I, I can't, the history only goes back so far. But okay, 
Yeah. So what do you? What it's do you my think? turn. Yeah, I have to try to guess where this comes from. So All right. So yeah. I'm gonna take the obvious off the table. I'm not talking about having sex with a dog. Yeah, we don't need that okay. story. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless you think that that's, you know, maybe there is something. Uh, is something in that? It's just yeah, it's, you were just talking earlier about. It was a low point literal... in my life. <laughs> no kidding. No, no I would never. Jeez, I would this. not. That's horrible. All right, so let me just think here. Screw the pooch. Where does that come from? You can either tell me the history of, of how it became popular, or or where what the or a very original origin was. Oh, I got it. Oh, okay. And Fast. Um, like lightning. It's because of you just led me there with the how did this get popular yeah. kind of stuff. So I think we all remember the classic Tom Hanks movie, Turner and Hoosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I loved I loved so, that movie, maybe. Just, just to be clear. Because I just saw it on is, TV is once Hooch in a while. Hooch the dog? Hooch is the dog. Because I just assume Hooch because it rhymes with pooch. Yeah, yeah. So he's Turner. And we're drinking... Um, Oh my God, Lab Rosé, Pooch Pooch Rosé. There's a lot of dog stuff going on here. There's a dog on the box. Okay, so <clears throat> when that movie was coming out, um, it was, uh, you know, Tom Hanks is pretty famous, and the dog was less so. But mm-hmm. you know, with the success of Beethoven, right? Which I dogs. Think, you well, know, Beethoven was after Turner and Hooch. Really? You yeah. know this off the top of your head? Well, that was an 80s movie, and Beethoven was early 90s. Oh, was it? Yeah. Man, who knew? Well, in this universe... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Okay, I can flip this. I can flip this. Flip it. So, it was because of the Turner and Hooch franchise that dogs like Beethoven were able to be so successful. Yeah, sure. You know, later in the 90s, because... The truth is, Turner and Hooch came out, and you know, even though everyone looks at Tom Hanks as Mr. Nice Guy of Hollywood, America's sweetheart, he needed his cut, mm-hmm. his fat cut of cheese. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, look, I love dogs, but I'm not going to give it a million dollars. Uh huh. Right. And um, so you know, Turner basically said, like, take it or leave it, Hooch, and uh, he just didn't get paid very well, is what I'm saying. So uh-huh. a lot of people. It became popular at the time when they were like, wow, Mr. Nice Guy really screwed the pooch here on Turner oh, and Hooch. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and then that's why when Beethoven came out, they were like, that's not going to happen. Well, what does screw the pooch mean? Because I don't think we established that. Oh, I jumped right to the guess. <laughs> oh, well, that still counts as my guess. That's fine. Well, but I'm sure you had more God to say. Damn but, it. but what is the... Uh... Not so much. I was going to ask what the name of the actor is from Beethoven. But... um. What was I going to say? Oh, well, screw the pooch means that's like you screwed the pooch. To me, that look, that's like you did something embarrassing. Exactly. Yeah. Right? To make a big or humiliating mistake. You really screwed the pooch. Oof. Right. An embarrassing mistake. Yeah. That's exactly right. Like getting caught so, sleeping with the dog. So here, <laughs> that would be embarrassing getting caught doing that. I mean. Doggy style, I guess. I guess. <laughs> and so Tom Hanks, it was embarrassing that the information, like it was embarrassing having it revealed that he kept so much money away from the dog. Yeah, after. like they were like, come on. You come can at on, least Tom. get him a gold bone or something. <laughs> right. And he's yeah. like, no. He's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and I guess the dog owner gets all that money, huh? That's not fair. I mean, it's not like the dog can write its will. <laughs> the dog has no concept of 
money, I suppose. I would love to see people trying to organize some dog court. <laughs> he it's, barked. He he said woof. It's got to be a thing, dog right. court. Maybe we'll put it on our on our show. Okay. Um, but anyway, no. So I guess, long story short, because I went out of order I here, is just that because Tom Hanks did not give the hooch enough mm-hmm. money yeah um you know the, the people kind of the public kind of thought that that was like kind of uncool it was sort of embarrassing for tom hanks and um but but Great. then the, you know dog lawyers moving forward they got paid a lot more and then in charles groden's film beethoven exactly the saint bernard exactly. he made charles really groden well. takes a back seat to Good. Beethoven. And he really did. Of course he did. I mean, like, Beethoven's name. He's just reacting. <laughs> right, because it was and Turner he, and Hooch. Now it's yeah, just Beethoven. Not, not Beethoven. Not Beethoven and Charles Groner. Charles <laughs> Groner. What was yeah, his name? Charles Grodin. Oh, that's not, that's not bad. No. It's not like Beethoven and his angry owner. Yeah, right. I think Charles Grodin played a lot of angry yeah, he's, father Because he's really good at being like, he was, you damn dog running through the mud. He was so good. Dude, Beethoven is great. I watched that so many times when I was a kid. Yeah. And like, how many were there? It was like a lot, I right? There's probably five. Yeah. I'm going to say the first two are good. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen Beethoven since probably 1994 or whatever. I will gladly so. watch Beethoven yeah, throw it on. Time. Throw it on. It's to a watch party. <laughs> I will. We could put that on our live stream. Yeah, please go to our YouTube for a live stream of Albert and Ryan watch Beethoven. Holy shit, that's a great Patreon idea. I love it. What we could do is um, we could watch Beethoven and Beethoven 2 simultaneously. Right. And we'll just, uh, they'll also be playing on the same screen. Right. And so... And the audio will be coming out. And they'll be like, see, 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 (laughs) see that? (laughs) Right. It'll. It's the same formula. It's the same formula. So, yeah, that's, that's incorrect. Uh, But I I, I think that was a good guess. I mean, yeah, I mean, (laughs) it sounded great. Have you ever read the book uh, Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test? No. Well, we don't have to say it like no, that. No, I know, but I I should have by now. Yeah, I mean, like I think in college, a lot a lot of people were reading that. Yeah, but I didn't. Well, it was written by Tom Wolf, and Wolf, Wolf, Pooch. Dog, Pooch, Hooch, uh-huh. Beethoven, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Tom Wolf is is just a, this famous writer. And in the seventies, in a uh, seventy nine, he wrote a book called The Right Stuff, and. This mm. book was really popular. It was even made into a movie. And it was all about the pilots that were a part of the the first um, space program. Um, oh, no. From the late 50s to the 60s. Why? I think I know. Where, I, 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 I think I know where you're going with this. Why? Go. Okay. Because I've right. unrelated to the idiom, I've heard... Some just I don't want to. You go, go, okay. go, go, go. I'll go. I'm, I'll I'm, go. I'm excited if I'm right. <laughs> so this is this has to do with the space race, essentially, right? Like Russia was way ahead of, or I'm sorry, USSR was, was way ahead of the, of America, Sputnik, right? Yeah, you know, and the American public was shocked that that uh, the USSR was so far ahead of us and so much more advanced. So then all of a sudden, like racing to get NASA off the ground. And 
um, Tom Wolfe became sort of fascinated by these pilots that were willing to put themselves at risk and get into Earth's orbit and, you know, go through this incredible, crazy process to become the very first astronauts. And these first astronauts were um, called Project Mercury. Mm -hmm. And this is all going to relate to one of the astronauts that was in, that was a part of Project Mercury. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Um, this, this was from, uh, 1958, uh, through 1963 and its goal was to put a man into earth's orbit. And, um, there was this one guy who ends up becoming the second American to be, to get into earth's orbit. And his name was Gus Grissom. Gus Grissom. Good old Gus. Good name. He eventually gets called Gus. They eventually call him Little Gus, actually. Oh, man. Which no one likes. No. (laughs) No one. So he was he was incredibly smart. Um, He went up against like 300 astronauts to be one of the seven chosen to be part of Project Mercury. So because he was little, he snuck in, right? He it actually helped that he was little because like the the aircraft didn't make the time big in there. No, 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 no. That doesn't help. Uh, so Grissom's spacecraft was called, he named it Liberty Bell 7, mm-hmm. launched from Cape, Caverna- Cape um, Canaveral in Florida. And he ended up being up in orbit for about 15 minutes. Uh, and something pretty, uh, pr- pretty, I guess, I guess it's it's embar- it was embarrassing to the government, oh. but when he landed, when he's he, like, "I love dogs. My <laughs> wife is a dog." Well, you know what? Actually, what's also interesting is that a dog was really the first thing in orbit, right? Because didn't um, didn't the USSR send a dog in well, into orbit before a person? See, that's what I thought you were going with. All the, this is not about oh, all the yeah. animals that are left to die out in orbit. <laughs> no, but Russia did send a dog before they sent the first guy. Dude, there's apparently like a bunch of animals, chimps and dogs and whatever else that they just, they're like, well, we're not going to retrieve them. So I thought that's what you were going to, this was going to be. That's when I was like, oh, oh God, because that's oh. screwing the pooch, oh, leaving really? it up in. Yeah, that really is screwing the pooch. Yeah, they leave them to die in space. Now that that's a good guess. sucks, dude. <laughs> That's a good guess. I didn't know it had anything to do with space. <laughs> well, of course not. You would not. have said space dogs. I would have done that. <laughs> Screw the space pooch. <laughs> yeah. But that's pretty... Yeah, how about that? Mm. How about that? Mm. Uh, what did he do that was embarrassing? This is funny. Well, here's what happened. He... The Liberty Bell 7 splashed down, right? It came, came back down from orbit uh-huh. and landed in the ocean. And there were these these bolts that, you know, he, he was supposed to push some button to open them and then he was going to get pulled out and then the craft itself was going to get pulled out because, like, they don't want to lose this million-dollar right. craft oh. that they spent all this time on. Oh. But there was some malfunction and apparently the movie makes it seem like it's his fault, but he says it wasn't his fault and there's oh, no well, evidence. Of course he's going to say it wasn't his fault. <laughs> the, he... There's no evidence that that actually he he screwed the pooch here. Yeah, but um, there was these explosive bolts that unexpectedly blew off, and the rescue operation ended up being a little messy. And all of this was being filmed because the government wanted the American public to oh, see this, yeah. right? Of course, and um, essentially the the aircraft sunk. It started filling up oh, with water. No. He was in it. No, and his no. suit his suit was like 
pulling him down. No. Yeah. And so he was like, no, very close to drowning. He was like terrified. Um, but he got out and then they tried to get the Liberty Bell seven out and it just became too heavy because it was filling up with water and they lost it. And they didn't, weren't able to retrieve it until 1999. And ha- oh, and this was in fifth, six, the sixties. This was in uh this was in 61, I think. Oh, that's long. Yeah. Oh, you're going to have some barnacles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably some, it's going to have some barnacles. <laughs> Space barnacles. So in Tom Wolfe's book, there is a quote there. And I'm just going to read you the whole paragraph. Because, Let's hear it. Yeah. Um, okay. They were, and the they here is the, the Mercury astronauts. They were by now ablaze with the superstitious aura of the single combat warrior. They were the, the heroes of Kennedy's political comeback, the updated new frontier whose symbol was a voyage to the moon. To announce the second one, Gus Grissom had prayed to the Lord, please, dear God, don't let me fuck up, but that his prayer had not been answered, and the Lord let him screw the pooch. Well, this was an interpretation of that event that was to be avoided at all cost. Whoa. So, in Tom Wolfe's book, he he mentions screwing the pooch in relation to Gus being so, like, I really hope I don't mess this up. Right, but he, he, he worried too much. Yeah. And so the film then, which was made uh, only a few years later after the book, but uh, Dennis Quaid is in it. And oh, sure. And he plays Gus Grissom's um, a fellow astronaut. And he warns him before he goes off into space, just make sure you don't screw the pooch, Gus. Oh, sure. And yes. so the book est- establishes screw the pooch as... That's yeah. what kind of popularizes yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure the movie helped with that too. Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah, so those two things uh, pretty much contribute to screwing the pooch being a, a popular idiom. And, I, and in America, we do hear it a lot. I don't think it's used in in um, in Britain or anything. But, but no, <laughs> actually, there is no real but. Well, I mean, because they say it so. Like this is something we've heard before. Mm-hmm. Is there any idea of where like? Yes, like that's probably where it became popular. Is, is there any, well, or is it just the imagery of how embarrassing this would be? Well, so yeah, and that's a good question. So why, you, like, so what you're asking is why did Tom Wolf even write "Screw the Pooch"? Right, in, unless he invented in it himself, and he didn't. Right, um, and so it there isn't much evidence of that phrase existing before 1979, before the right stuff came out. Um, and what Wolf was doing was. In the book, he was documenting a lot of the pilot's language. And sure. there was an old military slang term, which was fuck the dog. Oh. And uh, there are many examples of that particular phrase that date back all the way to 1935. And so... Wow, he, people. Right? Just... The, <laughs> and the, the, no animal is safe, I guess. Right. And so F the dog feed the dog, walk the dog, all of them used to mean to loaf around, Mm. to just kind of like waste time. Sure. Even the phrase dogging it means being lazy. Sure. Okay. So if if, if you were in the military and you know, know, your general's like, you boys, quit fucking the dog, you know, like get up, do something, get get busy. Right. 
So it, it took some time, I think, before that meant bl- like blundering. Sure. And it, I read that it wasn't until World War II that that meaning started to shift. Okay. So that, that was about whatever, like, I don't know, t- 10 years later. Sure. After the fact. So um, how did the, the question, though, is if Tom Wolfe was trying to incorporate pilot language into his book, then he must have heard it from the Mercury astronauts who he was interviewing. Oh, right. right. To, to write this right, thing. Right, right, right. So the big question is, well, where did the astronauts get screw the pooch from? Right. The military. Well, the military is where fuck the dog comes from. Right. Right. But like, why were these particular astronauts using screw the pooch? Because they had to be cleaner. Why? Because they were on a world stage. (laughs) I don't think they would have put any of that language (laughs) on TV in the 50s or 60s anyway. Yeah, we have. We have the astronauts of the Mercury 15 and they are screwing the pooch. I'm sorry. Fucking the dog. I'm sorry. What what is this? What kind of a... Are they... They haven't gone yet? (laughs) Well, what? They're going to die. They're... Some years ago, on some uh, like etymology website, there was oh, sure. there was an edit, and it was made. And, and the edit said that it was a Yale graduate named John Rawlings who mm. helped design the astronauts' spacesuits. And this guy uh, was hold on. All right, he's like I know. So this guy John Rawlings went to Yale, and he had a friend who was a DJ, and his, his name huh. was Candy Yam Jackson. <laughs> Candy Yam Jackson? Yeah. Is he any good? <laughs> I didn't listen. Well, I think he was like a DJ, like he played the music, you know, chose songs to be played on oh, the not radio. Like, not like a... His name was Jack May. But he, oh, sure. he, apparently he introduced it to this Rawlings guy who helped design the astronauts' spacesuits. Okay. And uh, Yam Jackson, or Jack May... Uh, wanted to soften the phrase a little bit. Sure. He had heard F the dog. Sure, sure. And he's like, what's a way to make this less vulgar, a little bit more pleasing to the ear? Screw the pooch. It's family friendly. Family friendly. Um, and the uh, John Rawlings actually uh, actually wrote in this, this autobiography of his a conversation between him and Jack. And it was... Basically, the, like the invention of the phrase at oh, that wow. time. And uh, so Jack says, you're late, John. You're fouling up. You are fucking the dog. John says, really, you are so vulgar and coarse. I just don't want to hear it. Jack says, you're still late. Is this better? You're screwing the pooch. Wow. And John started laughing. And so. Whoa, that could be the first time it was ever said. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and, and that's what May claims. Sure. Um, he's he says that like this was the or, or Rawlings. That's what Rawlings claims. And why would he lie about that? Yeah, there's no reason. Right. That's yeah, fun stuff. I love it. Um, and so Rawlings uh, ended up enlisting in the Air Force, and he he served at the Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and he worked on and designed all these early prototypes of the spacesuit. So he would have been around. Um, you know, the Project Mercury sure. fellows. Oh my God, that's great. And most likely used it. That's and then great. It spread around in that circle. So that's that's the theory. Wow. That's good, man. That's a 
That's good. I like that. <laughs> I, I like when you can, I mean, like how, hmm. I mean, well, you know, okay, here's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, a lot of times when we're looking up these things, like maybe you can get the first time something's in print or whatever, yeah. but this guy is essentially attesting to, I'm pretty sure I heard the first time it was ever uttered, mm -hmm. which is almost never, you know. The case. Right? right? Like you have to like, a lot of times it says like, okay, this is the first time first time it was in print so that means it's probably been around for a couple of years at that point so that's so cool to say like no i know where it came from yeah right Love so it. that's awesome and what else i would like to check out the right stuff movie with i'd Dennis like to watch Quaid. it um and tom wolf is a great writer so i'm now i'm kind of interested in the right stuff book as well so check that out if you're if you're interested in seeing screw the pooch when it was first put into print Right. And I guess a few years ago, someone, um, someone like some talking head on CNN or something used it on mm -hmm. air and a lot kind of got the attention of a lot of people because it, it was probably the first up. time. And uh, I do want to give credit to uh, Ben Zimmer, who writes for Slate. He, he was able to actually interview uh, May and so got like that secondhand account mm -hmm. of, of uh, Rawlings who had used it. So and he's like, "Yep, I was there. It's true." <laughs> so anyway, screw the pooch. Don't use it around kids. You know, yeah. Be a, you know, try to be appropriate with your idioms, but it's much better than f the dog. I think be appropriate with your kids. <laughs> Put them on TikTok. They'll be fine. All right, we're gonna take a wee break. That's all. That's that's all she wrote. That's the way the cookie crumbles for screw the pooch. Yes, sir. We'll be right back after this message. Okay, bye. So apparently it's an animal themed episode because Rye, I know, I know, I know, I know that people have said that you are the black sheep of your family. The black sheep. Bob, Bob, baby. You know what? It's insane. I've never thought to look up black sheep. Right. Huh. Yeah, me neither. Because I thought it was just like, well, yeah, duh. Yeah, right. Okay. Black sheep just means that you are the outcast. Yes. Right? And I feel I do feel like it's often connected to family. Yeah, I feel like that's like black sheep of the family is mm -hmm. kind of like how it comes out. But yes. But is that not necessarily true? Yeah, I mean, sort of. I mean, like once once we get into it, but yes, it's usually looked at in the realm of the family. For mm -hmm. sure. Like gotcha. for sure. Gotcha. Um, but it's a disfavored or disreputable member of a group or family. Okay. So, so you could be a black sheep teacher, I guess. A black sheep, yeah, like black, a black sheep teacher. Black sheep teacher. I'm dark as shit. I'm dark. I'm, I'm not gonna do my lesson plans. <laughs> um. All right. So, a possible or origin it comes from yeah. Possible origin for black sheep. 
Give me a second here. So I'm going to say that this comes from, you know, early 1700s in Sweden. And okay. there was there was a family who, after this incident, was written about sort of in their in their folk tales and, and mm-hmm. black sheep became popular. But mm. there this is a big family and it was all girls. It was it was seven girls, you know, the mother and the father. And, and they're all girls. And they're all girls. Even the father. Even the dad. He was like, ooh, <laughs> Mr. Postman. <laughs> the Swedish 1700s postman. What's he wearing? What's that guy wearing? He's also wearing some sort He's of, also like, of dress and clogs. <laughs> Hello. So sweet to be Swedish. And there was there was one, one girl there whose name was Black Sheep. Baba Black Sheep. Her name was Elsa. Sure. And Elsa was a a bit weird in all of the ways. You know, there were very typical chores that needed to be done. You had to milk the cows. You had to comb the goats. You know, you had to rustle the hay. um, Yeah, you don't want tight hay. But she did everything, you know, ass backwards. Right. And, uh... And her sisters oh, just didn't, didn't really like her around. She gave them the heebie-jeebies. Sure. You know? Oh, man. Could you imagine living, like, in an old-timey, uh-huh. like, kind of environment? And yeah. you're crammed in uh-huh. with with someone that's nuts. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, it's always dark. <laughs> right. You know, you're, like, looking at your crazy-ass sister in the candlelight. And you're just like, oh, my God, Elsa. There's shears all around and... Yeah. And scythes and such. Right. So one thing that um that the other six sisters would often do is they'd be like, All right, we're gonna we're gonna go far out into the pasture, we're gonna take the sheep out there. Right, yeah. And they're like, Elsa, you have to you know, you've gotta like whittle some You, you stay know, here. You stay here. <laughs> you make sure that everything's you know, dandy on our right. landy yeah. down oh, here. Oh, that's right? good. That's right. Good. Yeah. Um and Elsa felt left out, uh, as she, as she would. Um, she and, was weird, not stupid. And she did this thing where she would like kind of like like bite bite at them, you know, when she told them to stay. Like when they told, it was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, okay. And sometimes like she would it. get a little bit of skin. Sometimes she would break the skin a little bit. Sure, like, oh, sure, God, sure. You're so weird. Um, Stop biting at us. <laughs> and so they, you know, they went over the rolling hills, you know, with the sheep, and they had the the staffs sure know. yeah and they were they were cute they, were, they looked great you know very idyllic out yeah. there and Elsa was like how how do I become part of this routine and part of the group and you know I'm in her head she couldn't really express any of this but I know uh, ritual <laughs> sacrifice <laughs> ritual sacrifice and she went to the neighbor's farm who had several black sheep which were really unique and cool. And yep. she cut that thing open. She just oh, got sure. and she <laughs> okay. just plunged it into the sheep and, you know, took off the skin. And she's like, I'm just gonna... I'm, I'm just gonna I'm, be myself. I'm just gonna be myself <laughs> and I'm gonna blend in. And, and then oh, I'll get a no. chance to be a part of the crowd. 
So she just drapes this, you know. Oh this my <laughs> god, that's horrifying! Bloody black wool skin thing. Yeah, yeah. Back. And she, you know, just starts making her way over the hill. And then, on two legs or four? Uh, two mostly. Okay. And then she's like, "Oh, I should probably." As I like, get closer, yeah, I get closer. And so they see, they see wow. this thing in the distance, kind of you know lumbering towards them, and they're like, "What?" is that and they you know is that Sven one of Sven's sheep or like let's just keep walking and so they keep walking and then they turn around and it's it's getting closer it's getting closer and they're like this is weird and then Elsa just like all fours starts running oh my goodness (laughs) and she's biting and snapping and stuff (laughs) (laughs) and she gets right into the middle of where all the sheep are and it's just like a, one black sheep in the middle of all these white sheep. And she kind of tries to get really close to the girls. And they're freaked out. They still don't really know what it is. And then they're like, oh, maybe it is just a regular black sheep. Is it? And then they're like, but did you see that boy the other day? And then they start oh, talking. Oh, they're getting distracted yeah, by they start their talking. hormones. Yeah, the sure. hormones get in the way. And Elsa's just listening. And she's listening. <laughs> and then she, you know, she sees like a... Astrid's one of you know her sister's little ankles sticking out. And she's like, oh, I can bite that. Bite right that. Now. I'm pretty close to it. <laughs> and she, you know, she goes in for a quick little chomp, and immediately Astrid's like, "What the hell?" And then she kicks the the sheep, and of course Elsa rolls out of it, and she's covered in blood and, and viscera and, and viscera, and they're like, "You really are the black, the black sheep, sheep of our of family." And Elsa's just like, mm, I guess, <laughs> I guess. Oh my God, I love that. And so you know, this becomes just a sort of a folk story of the of the town, and it, yeah, it spreads around. Is there a lesson to be learned by the this? The lesson story? to be learned is that you know, you know, let your freak flag fly. Oh, okay. I thought it was more of a fall in line <laughs> sort of thing. Like, did they put her in a cage after that? Um, like, what no, is the next day like? Became quite attached to the the the, the sheep oh, the hide yeah. yeah sure and uh the neighbor had coincidentally died of old age that night anyway so no one even cared about that so they just put her in his house she moved into that house Great. and she married one of the other black sheep and then the third black sheep they they, they had just, an affair they had an affair uh, this is exciting spicy it's a spicy story wow i wish the real it'd be a great a24 kind of like indie yeah. film like lots of great shots of landscape but and this stuff. is copy written so don't oh. try to steal it uh no or we'll, we'll work a deal out easily as yeah. long as you do everything i don't have time to write a screenplay anyway so now well unless it's one of those really like not much going on. That's what this would be. Yeah. Because uh, we pretty much already. I mean, that could just be the, the whole thing. Out. So well, what's the? I'm assuming it's wrong. So wow. what's, what's the actual? No, I'm just. I'm just gonna. I'm upset for the listeners that it's not that. Ex- that was good, mm. man. That was a really fun. Okay, good. That was a fun one, Elsa. Okay. Um. No. Okay. So, uh, black sheep. Where it's believed that it comes from is a Bible misinterpretation. Oh, okay. All right. Some so, la- some language translation problems. Well, so here's the deal. In 1535, yeah. Miles Coverdale wrote a Bible, which is a, a, allegedly the first complete Bible printed in English. Is this pre King James? Uh, I I think it is actually. Yes, I'm gonna say it is because um, so it was it was his section of Genesis 3032. There's this quote that says. 
I will go through all thy flocks today and separate thou from among them all the sheep that will be spotted and partly colored and all black sheep among the lambs. And now look, what shall be partly colored and spotted among the kids? The same shall be my reward. So you hear the black sheep mm-hmm. and right then you're talking about separating the black sheep and the spotted sheep and all that stuff from the, from the flocks of mm-hmm. like the pure white ones, right? Yeah, right. Um, but the thing about that Bible interpretation is there were earlier and later ones uh, that did not use the word black sheep. Mm. So uh, like for this one, uh, there was the Wycliffe Bible, which they did two versions in 1382 and 1395. And instead of saying uh, black sheep, they say speckled sheep, speckled fleece, diverse color and diverse sheep. But they never say black sheep. So this guy kind of threw that in there on his own. Well, here's the theory was that his Bible, the first guy, Coverdale's, was he was translating it from a German mm-hmm. version okay. of, of a Bible. And yeah. it's like there's no spell check back then. <laughs> no. And plus you gotta you gotta write fast because You gotta get it done. You know, candles ain't cheap, you right. know. Could do um, it during the day, I guess, but Well he did. He <laughs> day and night, but like the font was so gilded Mm -hmm. um but then also you mentioned king King james it also was not in the king james version which was in 1611 um that quote was like this i will pass through all thy flock today removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle Mm. and brown cattle way different amongst the sheep and the spotted and speckled amongst the goats and all uh such shall be my hire so um here's the whole thing like this guy is talking about this is my reward this is my hire and you're talking about separating um these black and speckled animals of whatever kind uh and it makes you probably think because they're bad right like you want to separate that bad Uh uh-huh but this is kind of where the uh the misinterpretation part seems to come in where it's just like if you just look at that quote in isolation you might think like oh like people don't want this these Mm -hmm. types of animals because they're separating them but there's more to the story than that there's this guy jacob so this is like okay so i have a biblical character yeah which what's the deal who is he Jacob? I don't... You're, I think you're going to tell me. Everyone's like Jacob, Job, Jehoshaphat. Like, everyone's name is so like, oh, God. Nerd uh-huh. names. So what I'm saying is... <laughs> like, my brother is named Jake, but his not. it's not Jacob. Yeah, but if your his name's, name's Jacob, But if your name's okay. Jacob, it's cool. Uh-huh. I'm just saying... Unless you're like, in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, Okay, hot take, but all I'm saying is there's a bigger, the, the story goes like this. There's this guy, Jacob, and he was in charge of this guy named Laban's, Laban's flocks of sheep, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was like working on those uh, uh, flocks for like 14 years, and he also had like multiple wives, and they were all mad and stuff. I had to actually watch this guy today explain the Bible, and I yeah. was like, this sucks so bad. <laughs> But there is a little bit of magic in this story, which makes me like, okay, I'm, I'm okay with it. So mm-hmm. really, the reason that he was separate- Saving grace. Ah, uh, yas. Saving it for last. That's right. Um, so the reason he was separating all the things, he's like, yo, Laban, here's what I want to do. 
Um, I've been working for you for a long time, and I'm ready to get out of here. How about this? You don't have to pay me, but every um, black sheep, speckled sheep, goat, whatever, that'll be my payment because you don't really want them anyway. They're like not they're mm-hmm. not valued as highly. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, great deal. He's like, you know, you, you're going to gather up those sheep, and then you'll be on your way to your new life. And I think he was going to Cain or Canaan or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, they shake on it. And then Laban is like, I'm going to sneak away all this speckled and black sheep and I'm going to send them with my sons in a three day away like field or something where mm-hmm. it's easy. Like, yeah, go, go get your, go get all those sheep. And then, you know, Jacob shows up and he's like, where are all of the sheep that like I'm supposed to get? Right. <laughs> uh-huh. So apparently he gets like a message from God or something and he's like, all right, here's what you're going to do, Jake. Here's what you're going to do, Jacob. You're going to just, you hey, are baby, going. It's God. <laughs> Barago Godma. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Barago Godma. I would love if Barack Obama was God. Um, but he's like, who's going to do it? You're going to, you're going to take branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees, and you're going to cut strips out of them so that you can see some of the white bark and basically make the bark look striped or speckled mm-hmm. or whatever, like multicolored. And then you're going to put that in the watering troughs of mm-hmm. the white uh, sheep and goats and stuff like that. And then when they drink that, they end up having speckled and black sheep oh, and goats, okay. uh, kind I of like by like a miracle. Didn't know that worked. Right? Yeah. And, you know, then he just like kind of kept doing that. And then uh, his flock grew and grew. And then he ended up being like getting like a ton of uh, sheep and goats and stuff like that. And uh, there's a quote from Genesis that says, Thus the man grew excessively rich, had large flocks, made servants and man servants and camels and asses. Hmm. So, but just by putting like, basically, the way I took it is he's like taking this bark skin and making it look like the way he wants the animals to come out yeah, and they sure. drink it and they come out that way. Right. I, it wouldn't be great if that if it worked that way, and then we could have all cool designs. On I our wish skin. we could just do like yeah, like eat a bunch of weird shit, and then we all look super colorful or something. Right. I don't know. Um, so that is the popular belief about where the origin of it all comes from. Sure, but I thought you should know that the first time it was used figuratively was mm-hmm. in this thing called the Sincere Convert, 1640, by the English Puritan minister. How about this name? Thomas Shepherd. Oh, Shepherd Sheep. Right? Mm-hmm. And he says, cast out all the profane people among us as drunkards, swearers, whores, liars, which the scripture brands for black sheep and condemns them in 100 places. <laughs> so he starts saying black sheep like that. It's believed that maybe like he wasn't really interpreting the Bible story so well, and like mm. that that whole separation of the black sheep was like just because they're bad, right? Yeah. So he he took it as like being exiled or removed because you're yeah. different and no good. Yeah, but like if you read that story closer, you're actually like making out, right? And black sheep are they're the coolest looking. Oh, I was I looking at some sheep. really good looking pictures of black uh-huh. sheep today. They look great. Um, they they do look great. And and this section here that I I uh, titled was bad luck nay <laughs> because <laughs> believe it or not in England black sheep were considered omens of good fortune just mm. like black cats which right. is funny because I just feel like you know you, you get that black cats bad luck thing you know black mm. stuff like there's always this, this thing about like the color black as mm. you know uh, it being negative negative and there's this uh, book the folklore record uh, from 1878 and they say we speak figuratively 
of the one black sheep that is the cause of sorrow in a family. But in reality, it is regarded by the Sussex shepherd as an omen of good luck to his flock. Um, yeah, that makes more sense to me. Seeing a black sheep and being like, yeah, everything's going to be okay. Well, that's the thing. There was this There was this um, tradition of trying to keep one purely black sheep in Whoa. the flock of oh, the cool. rest of the white one because it was supposed to be like the good luck. Like a superstitious talisman. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... I would be remiss if I didn't mention the uh, the old um, poem. Please don't be remiss. Poem, Baba Black Sheep. Yeah, Baba Black Sheep. So this this originally was printed in something called Tommy Thumb's Pretty Songbook. It's which like a nursery is, rhyme, right? Yeah. Oh, nursery rhyme. Right, right, right. Uh, around 1744. Um, and... You, you may think you know how this how it goes, but it's a slightly it's just a little bit different than I remember it. Mm-hmm. And it goes, Baba Black Sheep, have you any wool? Yes, Mary, have I three bags full, one for my master, one for my dame, and one for the little boy that lives down the lane. Mm-hmm. Pretty close to what we know now, mm-hmm. but I just thought the uh, yes, Mary, have I? It, it seems like a good thing. You get in that black wool is what I'm saying. Right? Yeah, because then you look look cool. Wear a black coat. That's how I feel. But look at this. This whole thing. It really could just come down to something this simple. Black fleece couldn't be dyed, so it was often worth less than white uh, fleece. Oh, sure. Less because, options what you can yeah, do with it. Yeah, so it's sure. like, yeah, if you want... If you're if you're living in Gothville, then it's good. Yeah, the, the 17th century Gothville. Yeah, but there's a lot more um, options you know, with the white fleece. I set my guess in Sweden, and there's a Gothenburg... In Sweden. Well, what do you think there? I don't think anything. I'm just, you know. Well, and all, and yeah, I think it's great. And then also, <laughs> also, um, just in it just things that are labeled as black tend to have like all of these like negative connotations, mm-hmm. like a black mood or a, a black uh, black dog, black dog, Sadness. which we actually did. Yeah, so it could just be like something as simple as that. But it's either the Bible or that it didn't cost as much money to shear. It's crazy. It's the Animal Idiom episode. It's the Animal Idiom episode, and we never plan this kind of stuff. Um, but I had a I, I I wanted to do a little bit of a fun fact thing, and I found this thing called the Anthroposuologica, the symbolism of the black sheep as a talisman in ex extensive and transhuman ranching in Spain, hmm. an anthropological analysis. And there was some really interesting stuff about some places in Spain about how they viewed black sheep. So there's this place, um, a town called Gistain in Huesca, where they say when a completely black sheep was born, it was named the Marta. They let it grow mm. up free without markings on its ear or branding its body or shearing so as not to hurt it, which huh. might result in a wound producing bloodshed. It was believed that the Marta was not to be harmed and that it was to remain in the flock as an amulet to protect it from shooting stars and lightning and left to die of old age. Very cool. So they wouldn't even shear these sheep because they were afraid that even if you nicked it, like a drop of blood would take away all its magical powers. Oh my God, that's awesome. Cool, right? Very cool. Um, in the town of Goasco, also in Huesca, they say that if one suffers an accident producing a bruise like a fall from a window, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's good to cover it with the skin of a black sheep, hmm. uh, which must have been a dead black sheep because they would never <laughs> cut it. <laughs> I say. Yeah, but like, be like, I got a dang bruise. <laughs> oh, I love that. You put that on there. So Elsa would have been 
probably a okay. Elsa would have fit in really well here. Um, Valenetian breeders in the Ovasia tronera or Zonia. They they need to be more confident saying these names. Well, I don't know. I I, Zoina. um, They say that. Uh, uh, the definition of a black sheep has to be completely black and must never have bled. Hence, they were not sheared. Their tails were not cut. If it bled due to an accident, that's how the, okay, that's the protective properties thing. Now, this is my favorite one. In this place called Lumbrales, Salamanca, confident, smallpox. Salamanca. Salamanca. Smallpox in sheep was staved off by placing a cowbell with a frog inside of it. Cool. Or soil from a most recent burial on a sick or black sheep. And then they believed that by doing that, it not only cured the infected sheep, but then it it cured the epidemic completely. Oh, shit. Yeah. I guess the frog had to die, huh? I don't like, like I guess you bell. would have to trap it in the bell, yeah, right? It just falls out Maybe, immediately. Exactly. Maybe they wear it upside down. I don't know. Um they said that there was also they believed it was good luck in um Ontario, Canada. They also have a black sheep mm. believed for the good luck. And let's see. Oh, and then in this place called Rajasthan, India, they said that black sheep are rare and highly valued and their wool is worth five times the amount of white sheep. Oh, there you go. And the final thing that we need to say is in the <laughs> Wambugwe and Wagagnos tribes of East Africa, the animals were sacrificed along with others of the same color to precipitate rain. So they were oh. a, uh, you know, a rain sort of a uh, rain dance, cut, a, cut open rain dance <laughs> sacrifice. <laughs> well, anyway. They listen. were bringers of rain. Bringers of rain. So lots of cool black sheep stuff all around the world. But I didn't realize this as I started researching, but my friend Jess had just come back from Ireland. Yeah, right. And she had brought me this, the black bog cat. Oh, yeah. Which I think I showed you a little bit of before. Yeah. Um, Because again, these animals that sometimes like we hear as being, I don't know, like negative just because they're black or whatever this is this was apparently a sign of good luck there was there was these like bigger than regular size black cats that that hung out in the bog yeah and uh it was it was they said it was like a sign of good luck you would like you might get rich uh Mm -hmm. you know happiness and all that stuff if a black cat crossed your path which is funny because like here we have is like the opposite black cat bad thing i'm i'm yeah i think i've got the irish viewpoint when i see a black cat I feel better about my day. I'm happy. I'm happy. I wish I was that cat. Mm. But anyway. But this, I would like to be a bog cat. That sounds nice. Well, and this bog cat that I'm holding right here is actually made from like the mud in the bog. Like from the peat? So this is like lucky mud. Lucky wow. bog mud. That's so cool. I love bogs. Black turf from Ireland's 5,000 year old black turf. Man. So anyway, it's an animal type episode. We are saying... Go and uh, you 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 want to be a black sheep. Mm-hmm. You, you want to screw the pooch. You, I didn't say <laughs> that. that. I would say that. But if it's it's a black pooch, don't 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 screw just, it. Just just be yourself is what I'm saying. Just be yourself. That's that's the point of this entire episode. Anyway, um, I like it, and that's the way the uh, all she wrote. 
All right. Well, thank you for joining us today for another episode of Don't Be an Idiom. We're on episode 77. That's got to be good luck, right? It feels like a lucky number. And listen, if you uh, want to reach out, email us at don'tbeanidiom at gmail.com. If you feel like supporting the podcast, go to our Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash idiom. And yeah, come visit visit us on uh, Instagram. I mean, social media is dumb, but there are some cool pictures that we post sometimes. And also, ours are funny. And definitely come see us at the show and see that we are just mere mortals, just as you. <laughs> you know, just you, as you, you don't have to pay tribute or anything. You just say hi. Just say hi. Just say hi. Say, hey, I see you're a mere mortal. But no, it would be good. Maybe we'll make some new friends. Ugh. Always good. Not interested Making in that. those connections. The great connection. All right, everyone. Well, until next time, don't, don't be, be an, an idiom. idiom. Curse the day I ever laid these sorry eyes on you You must have had your fingers crossed when you swore that you'd be true You said you were just jumping, jumping on the bed When I came in to join you, saw you with my brother Fred I guess I really screwed the pooch When I fell in love with you forget you must have had a fifth of rum and it wasn't even noon yet when the preacher asked you do you take this man you hawked a monster loogie and said i don't give a damn i guess i really screwed the pooch when i fell in love with you you swear just like a sailor like one too Yeah, I guess I screwed the pooch And I fell in love